0: Hi, my LD friends. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We are going to be talking to Marissa Franco for our second episode. She is an expert on friendship and how to connect with others. During this really unique time in history, it's been so important to stay socially connected, even though we're not physically connected. Whether it's in the personal environment or your work environment, Connection is just really important for helping to create a successful working relationship, especially when you are trying to design for your learners. You want to think about how can we bring people together? How can we help them to have a more productive and successful working relationship? So today, we're going to be joined by Marissa Franco, and she's going to give us some golden nuggets, I call it, to help us make the most of this time in the virtual environment and stay connected. Let's join Marissa now. Marissa, hi. How are you doing? It's hey, a pleasure honey. to uh, just be able to chat with you. Welcome to the L&D lounge, I call it, the space where we can talk about all things L&D related. So, yeah, H- how are you doing? Um, and when I say how are you doing, I guess in this virtual COVID world, uh it seems like you've been busier than usual, right? You've had lots of opportunities to speak and (laughs) tell me what's going on with you and perhaps maybe you could just give us a little spiel about uh, what your work is all about.
1: Sure, yeah, I'm happy to be here, Yolanda, of course. Always happy to be chatting with you. Um, Yeah, I've been doing a lot. So my work is on friendship and connection. I'm a psychologist and I got to study friendship all over the world through a grant when I was working as a professor. And then since then, I actually got the idea to start writing a book on how to make friends with an adult. So I'm doing that. And then I started writing for Psychology Today and um, have sort of become a friendship expert for a bunch of outlets like the New York Times, the Telegraph, Harper's Bazaar. And I think that feels really like my calling, at least in this moment, is to help people figure out how to form deeper connections. And I think my particular flavor as a a speaker who speaks on these topics is that all the advice that I give is heavily dependent on research. I read all of the best research that's out there on how we connect. And I try to impart it to people in ways that they can very easily understand it. Yeah, so it seems like you are all about trying to figure out how
0: people best connect and how people, build relationships where did where did this come from I'm just curious what like what was the impetus or trigger Ooh, for you yeah. being curious about this
1: <laughs> there's always the academic answer the yeah real answer, but I will, I'll give you the real answer it was a few years ago I was going through a breakup I was taking it really hard and to make myself feel better I ended up starting this this wellness group with my friend where we met up weekly and we practiced different aspects of wellness together. We meditated, we cooked together, we read in each other's company, we did yoga and it felt so good and it felt so affirming. And I had just real, like the sort of insight came to me that I um, really was taking this breakup so hard because I devalued all the other forms of love in my life that were non-romantic. And I realized that that sort of ways of viewing things wasn't just isolated to me that it is a way that a lot of us are, are sort of trained by society to view our relationships, that friendship are secondary, that, you know, a spouse, or romantic relationship comes first. And I just realized, wow, well, it doesn't have to be that way. And we can't assume that there's only one form of love out there for us. And we can't also degrade all the other forms of love in our lives. So I was really motivated to like basically bring friendship to center stage and say like, this form of connection is dignified and beautiful and life changing <laughs> and everlasting. And um, so that's why I really got motivated to start thinking about. I want to write a book on this topic just to convey how important it is and to give people more collective permission to really center friendship in their lives. Nice, nice. So I am super
0: excited about the book coming and let you know just letting you know I want an autograph copy. Oh of course. I, I, let me know when it comes out. I'll be the first to purchase it. Oh thank um, you. So yeah, just kind of shifting gears just a tad bit. Um so as we kind of think about where we are, you know, there we're obviously in a global pandemic right now. There's a lot going on, you know, with the killing of, of George Floyd, um, you know, there's just been a lot going on in the world. Um, I think for, for a lot of learning and development professionals, we've been called upon to be a safe space for people to bring about conversations. People are saying to me, well, how can I support my learner? How can I bring people together in this virtual environment? You know, people are just behind screens all day talking about work. So what do you say to that? I mean, how do you respond to the learning and development professional who is out there trying to support their learner or support their employees right now?
1: Yeah, I would say, I think the most important thing and one of the things that I say about is really important to making people feel connection and belonging at work is um, putting who they are as a person in front of who they are as an employee, right? So if all of your meetings are starting with things like, what are the updates on the work, instead of like, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) Let's have an honest check in, like, whatever you're going through is okay. Like, let's acknowledge that these are really hard times really difficult times it may be hard to be as productive as usual and um, we can we can face that together and really just showing that like hey i care about you as a human being and letting your employees take the lead when you ask them like what can i do to make this all a little bit easier for you and a little bit easier on you Um, obviously with my background i think keeping employees connected is really important so we, you know, we have the virtual happy hours. I know some organizations that are doing like dance party DJs, um, yoga, and focusing on wellness meditations for their companies, just to make sure that they're not just again focusing on the productivity of their employees, but focusing on the well, their well being, and um, their health and. That a downstream consequence of that is that that actually will make your employees more productive as well, but I think what we really want to center right now is that like we are people first, and particularly for black employees, because yeah. it's just hard to show up every day and, and try to pretend like you know things haven't been falling apart for our, our community. and so creating space to just like put aside your um, your sort of professional cape and and be who you are outside of the workplace, I think will be so valuable in making employees feel connected and motivated and passionate and also like they belong at your workplace
0: yeah yeah so it seems like just acknowledging that human experience that we're all kind of going through this together um you know one of the questions I actually had I asked um I knew this was coming and I asked some of my learning and development friends, like, what questions do you have for someone who has a background Uh, similar to yours, you know, Marissa? And one of the questions was, you know, if they, this person is a manager um, and they're trying to have a conversation about wellness or self-care, they're trying to just, you know, open up and connect with their employee, how do they do that? And I've been surprised, but I'm realizing some people just don't know how to start that conversation. Like, how are you
1: is usually met with, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, based on the research of connection, I know that vulnerability begets vulnerability, right? So if you're a leader who says, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to be productive, then you're going to be able to open up your employees to create space for that too. I think when it also comes to, for leaders, like, organizations put money where their priorities are so if you really want to focus on your employees health and wellness like what what are you doing to to maybe find people that can help you do that like you're not necessarily a psychologist or an expert on all aspects of wellness and so putting money into professional development that's focused specifically on employees and employee wellness and um you know like I mentioned like those those yoga classes or those meditation classes or you know even a how to cope with stress presentation like all of those can be really helpful at this at this time. And I think what leaders maybe don't realize is that even if these presentations aren't well attended, they have symbolic value for your employees because they convey the message that like hey I care about you, you being well in this workplace. And so whether they show up or not, it's still going to make an impact because I know we're, we're talking about Zoom fatigue right now. I right. So have a hard time showing up to another video meeting and I certainly get that. But just a, a reminder that like it's, it's important for people to have the opportunity and the option whether they take it or not.
0: Yeah. So it seems like to to answer this question, you're saying less about starting this conversation about mental wellness and more so about just acknowledging that we can access resources outside of ourselves. So exactly. it's not the conversation, this person's bearing the burden of, how do I start this conversation about their mental wellness? And I've never done this before. And this is fearful. And you know, and all of these emotions that come with this heavy topic because you don't know how someone's going to respond. I mean, you're not yeah. a psychologist. So I right. think you're, what you're saying is, Find those resources, whether it's an EAP or a yoga class, or someone like yourself coming in and doing a training. Um, there are tons of resources that they can access.
1: Exactly, exactly. You're right on the money, Yolanda.
0: So, so what types of trainings have you been doing recently for those who perhaps are managers or are learning and developments within their or learning and development professionals within their organization? What, what have you been doing lately on that?
1: Yeah, so my trademark training right now, I'm actually giving a talk on this tomorrow, is just how we stay connected while virtually. And um, I guess you had a piece of that, Yolanda. Yes. It's it's interactive and it shares the best research as to how people can stay connected even while in a virtual setting. Yeah, one
0: of my favorite, um, I like the little snippet that you shared with me um, where I got to actually be immersed in. Um, One of my favorite things is the intimate connections. It's kind of like those moments where you are talking about something other than work and it's just exactly. so refreshing <laughs> yes. I, I just found it did people say that to you like oh this feels this feels nice to not just <laughs> talk about work during your work day and to have yeah. that humanity acknowledged so have you been doing so when you approach the conversation i was actually surprised i was like oh wow this is not an icebreaker about me as a professional." this is an icebreaker about me as a as a person. And that that for me was very
1: insightful, Marissa, that you did it that way. Hey, Yolanda. Yeah, that's actually based on some research that finds mm-hmm. that um, generally the more time we spend together, the closer we feel to one another, but that's not actually true at work. The more time we spend a month, our employees, we don't necessarily feel closer to one another. Huh. And I think what's really going on there is that when we focus on just work, we are not bringing our whole and full selves. And I think that, that sort of sharing of who we are, that story sharing is what makes us feel closer to other people. So when I say like we have to put our who we are as humans first, I think sometimes that honestly requires putting work to the side. Like let me just get to know you as a person right now and that's tied up to who you'll be in this workplace, but like let me show that I genuinely value you as a person. Right, right. I mean, there are so many nuggets
0: here that I could just sit on, reflect on. I just, I love saying like, let me sit with this right now. <laughs> um, because I was thinking all this time, like no joke, this is insightful for me, even during this, this show. I've been thinking all this time, well, geez, I'm spending hours in these Zoom meetings and certainly I've become a better uh, colleague to these people and they see me as Yolanda, the person and Yolanda, the professional. But now that I'm hearing you talk about this, You're right. I think perhaps they are just seeing me as Jolanda the professional because every day as a black person in America, I probably don't even realize it, but I'm censoring myself. So I'm trying to, it's almost like you try maybe perhaps to show up as your authentic self, but perhaps some of that is not just showing up because you are concerned. You're like, can I trust this person? But exactly. I guess that, that trust is what you're saying is built up over time. Yeah. Through these personal interactions right. by doing these little icebreakers or, or other things, I guess, that you do during your training um, where people can kind of bond with one another.
1: Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, it's not all about just us on us to to just share whatever's on our mind. But the question is, like, do our employers set up a space where we feel like we can do that? So there are some companies that are very upfront right at the beginning of their onboarding, like we want to bring, we want to see you bring your whole self to work. And the value of that is that we know from the research that when we're suppressing pieces of ourselves, that takes up bandwidth from our brains. So we're we're not performing as well when we suppress aspects of our identity that's censoring, that just takes away from all of the sort of brain power that we could be using to focus on that work. So Mm. it it seems like it takes extra time, but because it makes everything run so much more efficiently when we Feel like we belong and when we have really good authentic relationships with one another in the workplace, it's actually not taking up the time that it thinks of, but it's going to make everything else that we need to do take less time. Right. So basically, go to your work's virtual happy hour, right? Go to your work's virtual happy hour. Yes.
0: Play the bingo, play the trivia. I agree. You know, and Yolanda,
1: honestly, I will say when I first became a professor, I had to get tenure. It felt like there was so much pressure on me. I was not really interested in building connections. It also felt kind of more dicey and risky. You know, I'm a Black woman in this predominantly white environment. But I ended up just feeling so isolated and realizing that my lack of relationships was also affecting how people interpreted my ideas and whether they were going to affirm my professional ideas and my professional work, that we can't necessarily separate who someone is as a a professional and as a person in our minds. So if we don't like someone as a person, it's going to affect our interpretation of who they are professionally. And then I ran into the research and I found, oh, Having friends at work makes people more creative, makes people perform better, makes people more motivated, makes them less likely to leave their job. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wish someone told me this because I was going about this all the wrong way, just trying to keep my head down and get the work done.
0: Huh? So there are so many other benefits to, I guess, building this relationship with, whether intentionally or organically, with people that you work with. And it's interesting because for me, you know, Marissa, growing up, I remember, you know, both of my parents, neither of them uh, had the privilege to go to college. And so I think some of the things my mom told me, she used to say, well, you know, what what you say stays in the home, right? She would always talk about making the boundaries between what you tell other people and what you tell your family. And so she taught me, you know, for most of my life. Uh, you need a separation, you know, work yeah. is work, you you have a professional work attitude, lifestyle behavior, and then you're free to be yourself at home. And maybe I'm thinking about this, particularly during this time that we're all kind of thinking about our black identity, or if you're black or brown. Uh, yeah. And I've been thinking deeply about building those relationships, and how do we break down those walls that we put up over time. And I think part yeah. of that is we need to see that people will will be open to who we are exactly, and they will yeah. we can trust them with our information because exactly. in the back of my mind I have my mother's words you don't tell them that you're at work <laughs> Sure, <laughs> right you don't yeah. tell them that you're going to the beach for the weekend or or that yeah you know, this is this and that and it's interesting because looking back I'm like well Maybe you don't t- tell them certain things perhaps, but maybe as you build that trust with them over time, perhaps you can get to the point where you do share that information. So exactly. that, yeah, that is just, these things have been conversations, I think, behind closed doors for so long. Yep. And now we are in a point where we're like, well, we gotta
1: connect and we gotta connect not only for ourselves, but for our mental health. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think what you're saying is real and I think also common to a lot of black people on the job where I think that advice comes from somewhere, right? Because historically we haven't necessarily been safe to put our guards down and be ourselves. Um that that can come with many consequences for us. And I you know, I think there is First of all we need to we need more granularity as to what it means to um to form connections at work, because often people hear that and they're just sort of like, oh, being vulnerable at work, like that's inappropriate. I'm not going to share my deepest, darkest secrets in the workplace. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily telling you to do that, but it might start with, hey, this is what I actually did this weekend instead of I'm fine. You know, like me and my partner are planning a trip on July 4th, um, and this is where we're going, like sharing some information freely that couldn't be used against you. If this was published in a headline, it still wouldn't be used against you, but it's still a form of opening up. And so we can start with that as we're building trust over time. And the last thing that I wanted to say about this is that it's real that you know a lot of people of color are in workplaces that are unsafe for them. That that you know it is very scary to share pieces of themselves. And what I would what I would say to those people, folks of color, is please still form connections. It doesn't necessarily need to be with um, all the white folks at your organization. You can start with connecting with other people of color at your organization if that's where you feel more comfortable. It's this concept called restorative niches. Um, in this article that I was reading today where basically we need these restorative niches and what they do for us is they allow us to recharge and have more energy to do what we need to do in our lives. And we need to find that at work too. And we find that in relationships.
0: Mm, Restorative niches. Restorative niches. All right, I'll have to look that up. Do my research. <laughs> you are leaving all of us who have listened to this podcast show today with a lot of gold nuggets. So let's let me tell you, this is going to continue. This conversation, I hope, is going to continue offline, um, whether it's um, between you and I or those who listen to the show and reach out to you. By the way, how do they reach out to you, Marissa, if they want to learn more about your work and about your training opportunities or? opportunities to connect with you
1: of course yeah so my website is dr Mar- dr marissa g franco.com that's d-r-m-a-r-i-d-r-m-a-r-i-s-a-g-f-r-a-n-c-o um and those are that's also my uh handle on instagram and on twitter I have a YouTube channel, Dr. Marissa G. Franco, and I actually have a connection school there, which is, it's about five weeks program that you can do with other people in your life to deepen your connections. And lastly, I have a free questionnaire on my website that allows you to assess your strengths as a friend, and that'll sign you up for my monthly friendship newsletter where I share all the fascinating research that I can find on friendship and connection.
0: Great. Well, it seems like you have a plethora of resources. And, uh, you know, I know you're on LinkedIn, you have your website, there's just lots of ways for folks to connect. So thank you again for being on the show. um, In the midst of this tumultuous time, it's just so great to hear someone with just refreshing perspective on the power of human connection. So thanks so much again for joining me.
1: Of course, Yolanda. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Marissa. Well, LD friends, that wraps up our second episode of the LD podcast. I hope you'll join us next time when we sit down and talk with Tamara Kravitz about inclusive design.